Kraken Fancast, the podcast for Seattle Kraken fans by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues, Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson, as well as a special guest with us uh, for some of our usual Seattle Kraken hockey talk. So much is happening. Uh, we got through training camp, got through the preseason, and now we're finally watching some games. Super psyched for that. We've got a lot to talk about. Of course, a reminder, uh, our Kraken fan cast aims to focus on all subject matter about the National Hockey League's 32nd franchise, the Seattle Kraken. We share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team-related news. We'll also at times present some interviews with people involved the team, as well as people in the uh, fan community, like tonight. Uh, plus, we aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on some other Kraken-related podcasts. I'd like to first acknowledge our very kind and generous sponsors. First up, Silver City Brewery. Thanks to Silver City, located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. And also big, big thanks to our buddies at the Angry Beaver. Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. All right. So as we did a few weeks back, you, you listeners may remember, we had our buddy Paul Brownlow on with us uh, to talk. Uh, you know, he had Paul knows a lot about the Vancouver Canucks and as well as uh, Seattle hockey. We had a great conversation with him and. We're going to try to bring some guests on uh, more often this season than we did last, and uh, we're excited to have someone else with us tonight. We have Mike Brandt from Sasquatch NHL, a YouTube channel. Like Kraken Fancast, Sasquatch NHL follows all things related to the Seattle Kraken. Mike's uh, kind enough to uh, have our own Jim Cockrell on his program a few months ago, and uh, we thought it would be great to have him on our program. So welcome, Mike. Thanks for being on Kraken Fancast. Hey, what's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we'll 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 get with you and have you with uh, all of our roundtable here. Um, but but first, uh, we'll uh, go over our first four games of the season. I'll just uh, kind of throw the facts out. Uh, the boys uh, started on the road this season, like last season. Uh, this time in Anaheim, uh, they lost an overtime game, five to four. It was a game. Uh, Man, I, I was sort of tasting victory while watching. I really thought they were going to hold on to that one. It's a disappointing loss. Luckily, it was OT. They picked up a point. Uh, and there were certainly encouraging moments. Uh, I thought things that they sort of built up uh, from the preseason. So it's like, look, look pretty good and, uh, and looked even better when they uh, take a short drive over to play the LA Kings for the next game and they win that one four to one very dominant game uh martin jones was in goal in that one looked uh looked super solid and uh, i think we all had more optimism about the team after that one and it was really nice but then dot 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 the team comes home for their season home opener and uh well you know all the revelry and starting off the season that was all wonderful Let's just boil it down to the game. Uh, they lost one that was not a pretty one. They lost to Vegas Golden Knights, five to two, uh, and uh, and then the disappointment only got worse by watching an even uglier loss. Uh, the next game, that time to uh, Carolina Hurricanes, losing five to one, totally dominated by Carolina. Granted, Carolina is a great team, probably the best team they played so far, but uh, Kraken still on the other end. Look like an entirely different team in my mind uh, than the one we saw a few days earlier. Uh, sure, it's early in the season. Sure, Carolina is great. But I think some of us feel these are poor excuses for at least some of the play we saw. So, fellas, uh, what's your take on these first few games? Mike, since you're our guest, uh, let's start with you. Um, how are you feeling in general about this team at this point? And uh, what from the first few games uh, stuck out most to you? Well, I'll tell you what, I was, I was really hoping for... Uh the home opener to go a little bit better. I feel like Haxtell kind of outsmarted him, himself a little bit with kind of the decisions he made. But uh, I, I think coming through the preseason, everybody was feeling good. We've seen some offensive uh, improvement. We've got the new guys in. We can talk a little bit more about that as we go. But I think, you know, there was a positive vibe coming in. And then all of a sudden uh, they kind of go back to the future in a way. They, they throw that game away in Anaheim. Uh, but a good bounce back in LA. I thought they were really good there. 
again, they kind of fell on their face in the opener. And last night, it was pretty disappointing. It was just not good at all in a lot of ways, but pretty mixed bag. I think there's still, you know, it's early and uh, we got to be patient, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, right? We will indeed. Lots of games coming up. But uh, Jim, you and I texted and <laughs> back and forth. You had a lot of thoughts on those. I did. Uh, you know, that first game against Anaheim, we dominated, right, with the shots and all, and it was looking good. But we had some struggles, and, and Gibson was standing on his head for Anaheim. Um, it was just real frustrating uh, way to start the season. And then, of course, followed up with that L.A. game, like you said. And, and that was just, by the Kraken terms, a perfect game for them almost, you know. Uh, shots were down. Uh, just you could see the effort everywhere throughout the game. Then we come home, like you say, and I wasn't at the home opener. You were. I was watching uh, that brutal thing at home. And, you know. Pre-game was nice. Yay. Yeah. We can talk about that in a bit, too. Uh, but and then carry it over to the Carolina. Like you said, one thing I have noticed uh, in these last two games is I've walked away with that feeling of almost almost like like you said, Mike, it's like last year repeat, but we don't have the inaugural season to, to default in as an excuse. And uh, so it hurts a little more, actually. And um, there's a couple bad habits that are still rearing their ugly head. And that's that sub five minute score uh, has happened three or four games and a couple answer backs which are very frustrating one was uh, that one last night was what 18 seconds on yep. the answer back so those are just killers that we've got to just stop straight up uh in order to move on and change the direction of what's going on but it's i don't know where to put the team it's obviously early uh but we all have the same vibe from last year we're just a little more serious about things i think so it makes it tougher. That's that's how I'm looking at it right now. Nathan, uh, thoughts on that? I know you watched, uh, I think, all all but one, right? Yeah. The goaltending, as everybody knows, I, I focus a lot on that. Those early goals, like you mentioned, those are absolute destroyers of all, all things good in life when you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, you know, I've got my nachos and my beer. And I'm going to sit in front of my TV and I might actually catch a good game. And uh I can't fault the goaltending completely all the time. The passing has gotten a little better, but there's still some struggles with that. I'm not sold on Grubauer being able to have a season different than he had last year. That remains to be seen. Preseason, he was solid. And then it's when it mattered the most, it just seems like, I don't know. I don't know what goes inside his head, but. We need to see a change. I'd like to see Jones get a few more starts. I don't know when. Yeah, I mean, I think I was I was a little tomorrow. surprised that Jones got that second start so quickly. But I mean, he looked great against LA, so I'm like, all right, cool. And I wouldn't fault all those goals on him. I mean, Jim, you and I talk about the transition, right? You know, it's yeah, correct. Uh, the whole Jones thing when that happened, uh, you know, that flared up the internet pretty good. That so it was a controversial move right out of the box. I saw, I saw the angle of it. Um, uh, and you know, it was, a, it was a fire. He wanted to light a fire. He wants to, he knew he had a big game and he wants to continue the, the process. And it just, it was either it's a win lose thing and it doesn't matter, you know? So they walked out of there and he had, he didn't have a good game. So we are back to square one and you start with Gruber. It's going to, we talked about this last year, Chris, about uh, when, uh, you know, there was chances to steal the number one job and it just didn't happen. Uh, you, the, the goaltender couldn't shine at the right time. So it was kind of a back and forth thing, you know, and then, then the injury. And so here we are. Uh, kind of felt like Jones, toward the end, maybe it would be Drieger, but you know, and then he gets hurt. So yeah. Wait and see on that one. It's there's so many unanswered things right now. So, but the goaltending obviously is, is a thing like that first goal last night was, that was right in front of us. I, I thought it was a bit, he, he went to the post. I thought he was a little soft, a little lazy on that post. And it didn't surprise me that it went in. I'm like, okay, here we go. And it was a sub fiber. So I was a little uptight. <laughs> well, well, Mike, how about, you know, how about some of the new guys though? You know, uh, Burkowski, Bjorkstrand, um, you know, and obviously Maddie, who, you know, we saw a little bit last year, but they're kind of making some good, good uh, differences there, I think. 
Yeah, I really have liked what I've seen from Burakovsky early on. Uh, Bjorkstrand had a couple of interesting plays last night, uh, you know, not to pick on him or anything because he's been great. I think, obviously, they're going to inject a lot of firepower into the lineup. Uh, Burakovsky, he's just seems like he's always right place, right time. Uh, it's really easy to pick him out, too. The number 95 is just kind of, I don't know, it's got a good look to it. Sharp look on the jersey, just the aesthetic. Uh, that doesn't really play into the the actual game a whole lot, but it just seems like he's always around the puck and easy to pick up with the eye. And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch him so far. I feel like Matty B, um, you know, he's looking great, right? Almost point per game type of production. I feel like here early in the regular season, he's he is definitely getting bodied pretty hard, pushed around. I've seen him take quite a few hits as he comes in to the zone, but he's pretty resilient. He's sticking with it and, and you're going to have to take your, your lumps as a rookie. Right. So I uh, really like what I'm seeing from him. The power play, I think is going to be a little bit better. I do worry about like, just, you know, we, if we're, if we're just going to do one timers the whole time there on the sideboards, maybe a little bit predictable at times. So maybe you need to kind of add some extra looks. That's going to be hopefully where they evolve with this as it goes. But yeah, I, I think they, they did a great job bringing in some um, offensive power and that's what they needed last year. They needed some goal scoring, obviously defense uh, definitely needs to be shored up, but it's really hard to just instantly fix your defense. So I think Francis probably played his cards the right way and, in, in investing in uh, you know, the offensive future of the team here. Yeah. I mean, the defense, you know, we were seeing, you know, a lot of lapses at times last year. It's, I, from my mind, it seemed like they were starting to gel better, toward the end of the year but you know too late but i mean they showed some stuff but brought a lot of guys back you know uh borgen susie larson of course done all back there um so more time to you know for you know for for chemistry building i guess but uh yeah i don't know is uh i i guess we'll see i mean you know a lot of people get very reactionary right i mean so do you have you know are you having that you know we we hear a little bit you know we see a little on our twitter page or whatever oh that's it i told you hextall's no good you know just pe- people going off you know from from your listeners or watchers you know are you, what what's the mood that you've been finding yeah i mean last night and even throughout today just on my twitter feed it was it was pretty much uh everyone was already ready to hackstall you know throw him out and move on and uh, you know honestly myself i i'm not a big hot take guy but i definitely wanted to tweet a few times today but i said no i'm not going to do that kind of held back a little bit didn't send the tweet uh use my better judgment just because i think it's just, again it's just so early there's so many variables at play i will say i think yeah and you know we kind of nathan like you talked about the goaltending uh and getting to see jones a little bit more i think that's going to be important throughout the year because Gru's workload last year was just you know it started to get a little bit insane throughout the year and i don't think that he's a guy that's going to go you know with that heavy workload and be successful but just for me on opening night like if i'm hackstall just take the layup a little bit right like you've got People coming out, paying big money to go to the game. Uh, they want to see Shane Wright put Grubauer in. Everybody wants to chant Gru on opening night. Uh, and if they falter, then take them out of the lineup. I, I just felt like it was such an easy, you know, opening night, all the, shir- uh, all the, uh, you know, all the uh, pomp and circumstance and everything like that. And just take the layup and don't put yourself in the microscope right away. Uh, if things don't go so good here in the first couple of weeks, because now he's got to kind of explain himself. And we know, you know, Dave doesn't seem like he's the best at providing a really clear and concise uh, explanation for what he's doing a lot of times. So it just felt like he kind of outsmarted himself and now they're trying to figure it out. And and I don't know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it was very, uh, very loud on Twitter today in the hack stall. Wow, it was uh, like more more than I expected. You know, yeah. I, mean, I I was like, whoa, okay. You know, I mean, something we we I'll admit, you know, we've we've grumbled about it and we're like, well, he needs more time. But I, you know, I I don't know what's you know what what are you thinking, Jimmy? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, is he? Uh, is he? I mean, it is early, and as our at our time of our recording here, uh, they've got. We'll talk about these in the next episode: St. Louis, Colorado, Chicago, Buffalo. 
some theoretically winnable games there. That Colorado one's going to be in Colorado. That that's going to be a tough one. But you know, in early season hockey, anything can ha- happen. You know, and I mean, there's still some teams in the standings that haven't even won games. At least, at least we got one and a half, right? Yeah, I, I'm look, I'm guilty of uh, pack still slamming. Uh, I'm not going to hold back. I, you've heard me over the last year. Um, I've tweeted, but I'm I'm not just bitching to bitch about a coach. I'm bitching about some things I'm seeing that I, I, I'd really like to see corrected, but I know it's Haxel's style, and I know it's not something that's going to work its way out unless uh, there's some talks going on behind the scene uh, with the entire coaching staff or something else happens. But, you know, we talk about the defense struggling right now, which is was one of the better core situations last year was our, you know, shots against uh, and things like this. That stood out more than anything. That some of the things that are killing everything is the transition game is absolutely brutal. And that's where you're going to get into the confusion part of the game and assignments, especially on the defensive side in your zone. And you can see it developing and happening. And that's a huge deal. And in turn, on the other end of that is zone entry. We've been struggling with the zone entry big time. Uh, that's something we didn't struggle as much last year. Yes, it's early, but these are things, um, you know, on the slingshot breakout that drives me up the wall. I've never liked it, but we use it on the power play a lot. And I'm, I think to myself, you're, it's the power play. You don't even need to do that. That's more of a five on five drill. I don't care. By the way, it's nice to have Schultz back there. It, it is. Yeah, he's been nice. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you, it's showing that he can run the PP pretty well. He, his head's up the entire time. He sees the ice well. Uh, and, you know, speaking of PP, it's hanging out at 33% right now. So we can't really uh, complain at all about that. It, it's obviously going to drop off, but that's pretty solid. I don't even know where it was last year, but it was it was definitely bottom sixth, I'm going to say, straight w- without yeah. lucky. Um, so there's just some things there that are affecting the overall game, and it's just a couple items, actually. They're, they're going to be tough to correct but that's part of his system straight up and nothing's going to change until we, we work on that. And uh, so that's what you get, you know, it's, it's tough. So it's preseason sort of a mirage. I mean, obviously that's practice and you're playing against backup players and all, but there just seemed to be a lot of, and even in the first, you know, two road games, there seemed to be a lot of fluidity. Could these last two games just be little, you know, setbacks. I mean, we see this with every team, you know, they go, they, they lay some eggs and then they kind of get, you know, get on the right road. Yeah. I mean, okay. That preseason, everybody was happy, but we all say, Hey, it's preseason. We do it in football. We do it in everything else. Um, those first three game rosters were nothing but pretty much Coachella, ju- you know, whatever juniors and a, a couple vets here and there. I don't think we started seeing full rosters. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong until the last couple games, maybe close to right it was it looked good no doubt i mean that's where we worked on our power play that's what got it to where it is right now they spent a lot of time in practice on that thing uh they worked on five on threes they worked on odd man rushes things like this so it it looks good in the special teams department um but five on five play you know like you said carolina is a good club let's not forget that you know they're they're a solid club i didn't want to I, going into, I didn't want to say that, but when and even when you look at the names on the back of the jerseys on the name bars, you don't really they don't really pop either for some reason. There's a few, obviously, uh, but I don't think of them as that you know big Western Conference team or top level Eastern. But they are good. I take them for granted, but I still think no matter what. I think any team's beatable on any night straight up. I mean, we well, they, be, they beat the Capitals in, at home last year, you know, yeah, and I mean, other teams, you know, even, you know, and, and one an Edmonton game. So, yeah, on any given I, night in the NHL, especially early in the season. Yeah, I mean, I just, those last two really hurt. That's all. The way they went down, the amount of goals scored, uh, just this, this sloppy play. Um, you know, Nathan, you nailed it. I mean, you, you're always hip on the whole passing game and everything. That was just poor last night. It was it was absolutely poor. Oh, I will add, though, Burakovsky's seam passes are really nice, and they're standing out in the zone, whether it's power play or five-on-five. Five, he can find that seam with minimal space, and it looks good. So there's a couple little spots, um, you know, to go at, but there's a couple big-time things that need to be taken care of here to clean up the whole game. 
you guys are going to be seeing a lot of Burakovsky jerseys in the stands in the in the weeks to come. I promise that every time I saw one last night. Yeah. Yeah. Every time something's happening, he's got his name on it somewhere, whether it's a goal and assist, a, a check, whatever. You know, he's he's like Mike said, he's always around. It doesn't matter what's going on. He's always there. And that's great. I'd love to see more of that from him and other players. Well, yeah, I mean, so far, uh, you know, the point totals, uh, five for Burakovsky after after four games, five for, for him, uh, four for Maddie, and then you got a Schwartz and Schultz each have three, and then, you know, smattering a one and two with from a, from a bunch of other guys. Interesting to see uh, one interesting stat. Um, I guess we'll give him an A for effort. Uh, Bjorkstrand, 18 shots on goals. That's like by far more than anybody else um he he's shooting uh and then you know and uh schwartz too to the extent 13 everybody else is single digits that's interesting that is pretty high <laughs> well there you go that's where we have it we'll see we'll see what comes up one thing i should jump back on and i i meant to earlier uh mike is uh tell us a little bit more about um sasquatch nhl you know how how you came to uh found it, you know, come up with it and, uh, and, and, you know, perhaps a little bit of your hockey history uh, with uh, hockey in general. Sure. Yeah. It's been, you know, hockey for me, has been a lifelong uh, love and passion and, you know, just in the family here, we, we love it. We've been to lots of games. We've been sharks fans for many years. Uh, completely thrilled to have a team here in the market and fortunate enough to be able to have tickets and go quite often. So, from that standpoint, just as a fan, pretty, you know, pretty awesome just to go through it and kind of share that experience with Jim a little bit in the background. We talked a lot leading into, you know, picking tickets and things like that and what the team name was going to be, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I mean, I've, I've had the Twitter handle for a while. I think it started off as like, you know, one of the ideas for the team name. And I knew early on it wasn't going to be the Seattle Sasquatch that was completely, you know, like shot down immediately. But I was like, you know, I, I still kind of like the, the ring of this, you know, it, ha it has obviously the connotation to the Pacific Northwest and everything like that. So I was like, let's just call it Sasquatch NHL and keep rolling with it. And, you know, I got a little bit of a following and it's fun to interact with people, lots of different accounts and things like that and podcasts and you guys and Jim and uh, so on and so forth. So it kind of started with the Twitter handle and last year leading into the season, I really kind of wanted to start something right at the beginning of the year, maybe a podcast or a YouTube channel. It didn't work out. Uh, I had way too many things going on, right? Like just life happens. And um, so I, I kind of had to wait a little, little while. Uh, honestly, it was probably the best thing just because it allowed me to kind of get through, through some things going on here with the family and life in general. And I think I launched the YouTube channel in February. And uh, from there, you know, it's just, it's evolved a little bit. I've got a little bit of uh, following on YouTube. I did launch uh, like the podcast version here late in the summer because, you know, why not? May as well just put more of the audio stuff out there. And uh, that's kind of where we're at. I've, I've been trying really hard to hit the ground running here first couple of weeks interacting with you know doing crossovers with you guys i did the surge cast crossover uh with zach and bailey from uh surge cast early in the week did the trivia battle with like ech and uh the kraken pod those guys are great by the way uh so i don't know i'm just kind of trying to get out there and meet people and just kind of keep it going you know provide kind of just like a positive vibe type place for people uh, hype up other channels like Brandon 32 crew. They just launched their podcasts trying to keep, you know, just support everybody. And I, I think that's the right way to do it. New market, new fans. Uh, there's no reason to like uh, ignore anyone or anything like that. I think everybody's got a good perspective, good voice, uh, lots of different angles like sound of hockey. Those guys are amazing. Obviously they provide just completely, you know, amazing analytics and things like that. Uh, I already mentioned ECH and I think there's a few, you know, there's so many already and it's, it's just cool, uh, to kind of like get out there and meet everybody. And for me, you know, with the passion, uh, of hockey and just the love of it and, and then getting to do a little bit of this and have a little bit of success with it. It's been kind of fun 
and, and just meeting people, you know, that's what it's all about for me. Absolutely. Connecting with community. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. And we've been, you know, through our Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, you know, I've connected with so many people who are kind of in the game that we're all in and, you know, there's media stuff, but then just also some just great fans who are a ton of the games. How, how often uh, is, is, uh, do your programs come out? Is there a certain regularity or you kind of when, when you can get to it? Right. So kind of the schedule right now, I try to do a couple different things. I, I do post game rapid reaction. I don't do it for every game, but I try to do it for as many as I can. Cause I do, I travel and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, and now I've kind of started, I started the, uh, it's called morning cup of crack and it's like a, a morning show coffee. Jim loves to bring his French press along. I did that kind of haphazardly about, I don't know, a month into launching the YouTube channel. And somebody suggested, you know, why don't you just do like it, do it like a weekend morning show. I said, Oh, that's actually really, you know, cause there's not a lot of, I don't know. I don't really think there's a lot of YouTube morning Kraken shows in the market. So that has seemed to work pretty good. Uh, you know, it's not like a huge stream or anything like that, but I, I definitely have some regulars and I don't know, it's just cool to start the day off, drink some coffee, talk about Kraken and whatever other random stuff we do live. Um, from there, uh, I, I've started doing more regular updates because with YouTube, the, you know, the, the way to kind of get your videos little bit more into the algorithm you just got to be consistent right so i try to do something at least every week uh, same thing with the podcast something released every week and i just i try to have fun with the live streams i know i'm i'm competing with everybody else in the market but for me that's when i just really enjoy it because i can kind of give that instant uh you know reaction to the games and interact with people and see how they're feeling in in the community that sounds great. Now, now you'd mentioned you for a long time. I mean, we all have backgrounds and Nathan had been a Vegas fan. Jim and I have been and I continue to be Boston Bruins fans in addition to the crack. And so Sharks, how did you uh, gravitate to them? And did you ever go down to San Jose to see a game? I did. And I actually lived down there for a little while. Uh, the whole the whole thing started, though. My dad, he's not around anymore. You know, great guy. He died when I was 30 years old uh, from cancer. So kind of, you know, the, the hockey fights cancer night and all that's pretty big for me, but um, he was a big Vancouver Canucks fan. And we had one of those old, you know, the big C band satellite dishes that would, you'd have to tune it into the different satellites in the sky. And um, we would pick up obviously the Canuck feed, but he would be able to, he would pick up, I think it was KICU uh 36 or something like that out of san jose and for whatever reason we were just able to always get those games when they became an expansion franchise and it was like i think pete stimkowski randy Hahn. obviously he goes way back but it was like the raw feed no commercials so we could hear everything you know hot mic in between the periods and everything like that and it was just a lot of fun i really you know i kind of fell in love with the sharks and it was fun to kind of have a rivalry with dad a little, even though the sharks were terrible back then, but you know, that that's kind of where it all started. And from there, you know, growing up, I just continued to root for them. Always hoping that Seattle would get a team and that's where we're at now. Yeah. Oh, it's been a, it's a dream come true for sure. So being a sharks fan, so you've gotten to watch Martin Jones a lot over the years. Obviously he was a shark for quite a bit. We're, 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 I mean, I know different times and different teams. It's a, it's a, it's a different thing right now and martin's an older player but you know what what are your thoughts on him you must have been surprised <laughs> i was surprised well we thought Drigo was going to play that's why we weren't expecting but martin when i heard martin jones's name I'm like wow okay uh, <laughs> yeah but they still have anything left in the tank i don't know yeah it's been quite a journey for him you know going back to the year the sharks made it to the stanley cup he was incredible i, I don't think Honestly, if I if I remember right, he didn't even really have the greatest regular season through that year, but good enough. And the Sharks were, you know, they were a pretty good team back then. But then when they went into the playoffs, he was just out of his mind. And I remember in the Stanley Cup final, I, I still remember, I think it was on the road uh, in Pittsburgh there. They won a game and he completely stole it. And NBC put a graphic up and it was the three stars and then they just listed Martin Jones three times and it was you know, he, he kept them in that series because the Penguins at the time, I mean, you guys know they were a buzzsaw, just incredible. And 
the, the Sharks, for all their playoff failures and struggles and things like that, they got really close that year again. Uh, and it, Martin Jones was a big reason for it. But you kind of fast forward to his, you know, the end of the time uh, for him there in San Jose. He really fell off the map. He he was losing his angles a lot on the net. His, you know, his lateral movement in the crease was pretty bad. He was not efficient. Uh, and then the mental side of the game started to get to him, I think. Uh, he was giving up early goals, all that stuff. It just kind of coalesces and compiles to the point where a guy needs to change the scenery. And that's, you know, kind of what happened. I think he, he goes to Philadelphia, right, and serves as mainly a backup. Did pretty good, I thought, in that role. Uh, and I think he's worked on his game quite a bit because what I saw in the preseason, and, you know, maybe Nathan or, or Jim could could uh, tag on here, but he just, if you've watched him over the years right now, and I realize he didn't have a very good game on opening night, but uh, he just seems he's, he's so much more chill in the net. He's just, you know, he's there, his angles are there. He's not over committing. He's not flailing around like some of the things I I used to see towards the end of the uh, tenure in San Jose. But yeah, I think he can be a really great backup for Seattle well, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, Gru can can take the reins and maintain his um, you know starter status. But who knows? Maybe Jones can kind of recapture that that 2016 energy that he had in San Jose. Yeah, I mean, we see some guys they go through uh, the goalie world is is, so, is something you know. The guys seem like they're washed up, and then all of a sudden, I know Carey Price is one that comes to mind. Where all of a sudden, oh wow, he still is awesome. I mean, Jim and Nathan, what do you got? What, you know, Jones looked great. I thought in LA, I was like, Oh, wow. Maybe, maybe we got a gem here uh, after all. So, but you know, time will tell, but uh, I, he, he looked solid in that game. I thought. Yeah. The, uh, the LA game obviously was solid and that's why he got the start, you know, home opener. And, you know, Mike was mentioning the ups and downs and then the mental side of things he could have very well gone through a couple phases of those. Uh, he comes here, fresh start. He's closer to home, by the way, he's a British Columbia kid, new goaltending coach. Sometimes that's all it takes to, you know, it's kind of like golfing, uh, golf coach, whatever. All of a sudden you find that one spot that maybe that, t- that tending coach found that another one didn't, you know, you all think it's all the same, but it really, there's some little niche stuff in there that those guys know and pick up on all the way through their career. But a lot of it is that mental thing that Mike was talking about. So we'll see. I mean, he's going to be the the 1B or the backup or however you want to look at it as long as Drieger is still out. And he's going to have some games. He's going to have some big games. And he's probably going to have some floppers. But so is uh, Grubauer. So it's it's what you would expect out of a tandem. You just need to roll and hopefully get on a roll between both of you. You know, you just run who's hot. And that's what you got to do with this club. You, you got to run who's hot. And Haxel's going to have to do that because, frankly, uh, his job may be on the line at the half, three-quarter, or whatever point of the season. Uh, you know, nobody really knows what his contract is, but we can all speculate it's a three-year deal. So it's just it's, it's going to be okay, I think. So it'll be interesting to see. And I'm also curious when Drieger actually gets back. We all heard, what was it, the three-quarter point or something like that. Seems rumors that just he's out for a while, but nobody, you know, just like typical in the NHL, they like to be very ambiguous about injuries. So we haven't come up with anything, but yeah, kind of reading between the lines. It feels like it's, you know, after December, certainly. Right. So, you know, that's about what I have to say on that. I think we, we, we talked about this in an earlier episode, maybe two, three episodes ago, we were guessing anyway, that, Probably mid to end February is when we might see Drieger again. Is that yeah, possibly. still something that we're it's, yeah, I mean, for? it's anybody's guess, but theoretically with the, the injury that he had and the fact that he's not out for the whole year, that's a, that's a fair educated guess, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Be good to have him back, that's for sure. Yeah, and then you know, and then we'll see see what happens from there. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, well, anyway. Uh, cool. Uh, Mike, where can people find you, uh, find Sasquatch NHL and, and connect with you and check out your programs? Yeah. I mean, over on Twitter, obviously at Sasquatch NHL, nothing fancy there. Same thing, YouTube, uh, same name and on all the podcast platforms, that's 
same name, try to keep it consistent, keep it easy. I don't really do uh, Facebook. I don't really do Instagram. <laughs> I get, That's okay. You know, There's only so many on hours YouTube, in the right? day. You know, I know you're, you're, you're the president and chief bottle washer, so to speak, as they say of Sasquatch <laughs> at HL. It's like, I can lean on Nathan on something, Jim on something. We've got uh, our producer, Jay Middleton. So we've got a bit of a team and we're already, we all feel busy <laughs> just the parts that we've got. So, so I, I tip my hat to all that you're doing and it's a great production you put out and uh, you know, cheers to you on that. And, and, and cheers to you also, your, your reasoning. I, I think we all wholeheartedly agree about you know, connecting with other podcasts and other people in the community, this is adding to the fun, right? And I, yeah, and and I'm curious if you, Jim and I have talked about this multiple times of like, I, I, I'm just, I know because it's new, but still, I am so blown away at the fact that I've, I've, I personally never seen a more enthusiastic fan base for a losing team than I've seen with the Seattle Kraken fans. I mean, you know, even toward the end of the year, year last year, last season, and, you know, they're well out of the playoffs and they're doing a playing a close game or having a comeback against somebody like Colorado and people just going nuts. So um, that's, that's special. And when this team, when this team ends up a playoff team, you know, it, it, I, th I think, and I think you'd agree, it, it's just, it's just going to be through the roof there, uh, the, 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 you know, the enthusiasm, because we're always seeing enthusiasm already. Yeah, overall, I, I would just say, you know, it's 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 definitely been fun to watch uh, kind of new fans to the game. We try to take people that have never seen the game before at all uh, to games with us at times. That's always fun, like the educational experience and, and just, you know, because seeing it in person is so different than watching it on television and and things like that but yeah no, it's it's been great you know thanks for having me on i i'd like to have you guys on maybe during like one of the live streams or something like that it'd be a lot of fun get i like to get a lot of different opinions and takes and uh you know like i said we do the the post game stuff uh, i've started do to do some more you know watch alongs and things like that like during the game i don't love doing that because I, I actually really like watching the games and it's you know streaming during it's not uh, you don't get the same experience just being able to kick back, but yeah, it's still fun. I do it every now and then, but you guys definitely open invite anytime. Just let me know. Yeah. I just, I need to add because I haven't talked on Mike and I's uh, relationship, how we ran into each other. We actually met for the first time last night at the game. Uh, at the Carolina all, game. Yeah. Uh, it was all prearranged because I, I, I texted and we said, Hey, are you going to the game? It would be nice to actually meet you before the game. Cause I'm going to be there. And he goes, yeah. So um, but Mike and I go back, I don't know when it exactly happened, but it's definitely, it was definitely pre team naming and probably post, uh, NHL awarding the franchise somewhere in there during the whole process, we started, uh, keying on, we were in groups, you know, whether it was, uh, it was mostly Twitter actually. And we just started keying on each other's, uh, information. We were kind of using it. There was a couple other people involved too. And we were sharing information <clears throat> like the seating charts when they would open the door for that two week period or whatever <clears throat> leading up. I think I showed you some of those, Chris. Yep. Uh, and then they would go away and then somebody would pass them on. And we were, it was so great. We had a nice little, little gang going on there. Just, I, we felt like little, you know, we were doing some espionage work or something behind the scenes. And then I've, I have been a fan of Mike's channel since he started uh, the YouTube channel. Um, it's just it's 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 pretty niche from the get go. Um, I've seen it grow, uh, but his community involvement and his praise for everybody involved in the community is over the top. And I, I really appreciate it, Mike. Uh, I do my best to pass it on to other people I know. Um, every one of your segments, whether it's Morning Cup of Kraken, which happens to be my favorite, because I will admit I'm up at here, you know, five thirty in the morning on a Saturday, dark house, vinyl spinning double French roast coffee, and then also Mike's little program over there uh, that I like listening to. And then the post-game rapid response, um, live streams, what have you, all your interviews with everybody. Um, it's all top-notch. And if I can't watch it live, I'm definitely watching it post-replay. Uh, I just keep up the great work, man. And I hope your channel just blows up. <laughs> And I appreciate Thanks, your Jim. friendship, man. I, I really regard your friendship and your knowledge for the game and your angle and uh, your approach is fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, it's for me, like 
why not try something just a little bit different uh contrast uh you know the uh the crazy game of hockey with something just a little more chill at times you know that's that's kind of my angle for it but yeah it's it's great and let's keep it going definitely like i said if you guys are always welcome we'll do some more crossovers and uh, just yeah i appreciate the kind words absolutely oh, by the way you have the best backdrop studio going so that's a little bit of a, a, a controversial issue here because my wife is very aware that like you know some of the youtubers that that do have a little bit more success um it gets a little bit crowded in the background right like if you've seen you know obviously like steve dangle and, and guys like that never going to get to that level but uh <laughs> she's like okay listen it's only so many things in the background up here in the room because you know we're gonna we're gonna cap out and I don't want it to be cluttered and and I kind of agree because I'm I'm more of a minimalist too but uh yeah <laughs> I have to check in every now and then and be like well how about we just you know add a little thing over here or over there but yeah no it's cool I'll just have some lights and uh you know add to it a little bit here and there change it out every now and then but yes, it's amazing. I feel like, yeah, you got the, you know, the 32 crack and lounge uh, kind of. Well, <laughs> yeah, kind of. right. Well, when he gets his blue <laughs> lights going with a little hint of red, it really pops. <laughs> Very nice. And I picked up that neon, you know, that thing's kind of cool. But yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll yeah. change it up a little bit here and then keep it interesting for everybody. Right on. There you go. Well, Mike Brandt, Sasquatch NHL. Thanks very much for uh, joining us, my friend. Yeah, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. I had a great time tonight. All right, thanks, right on. Um, so that's all we, most of what we had, but I did want to chat about one more thing in news. This is more of a, a Kraken or, you know, hockey community news. And one that kind of touched me a lot and, and, and kind of to you to some extent, I think, Jim. Uh, so, you know, we've got the Kraken Iceplex, which is wonderful. Three rinks there that, uh, not only the team uses, but you know, the public does and, you know, rinks down in uh, Kent and Linwood, uh, but I mean, the old, the old, uh, you know, comfy shoe of the arenas, I guess I, I'd say, I, I don't know, is this old arena, the Highland Ice Arena, which opened up in December of 1962, so it's been around for a long time, uh, is... Um, is ending. Uh, Terry Green and her brother Rick Stevens, who uh, I, I understand uh, inherited uh, the place or the business from from their parents, who started it. Um, it's closed. Well, it's it's in the midst of closing as we're recording this. I mean, it closed for the public on uh, October sixteenth. It was the last uh, open skate day for for the public, and uh, I, my understanding is it's open for a few more days for some private things. And people have had a lot to do with it over the years. I mean, over the years, uh, it was a, a great place for uh, people in the figure skating community. Actually, some people who were very accomplished in that world uh, skated there. A very very uh, young. Um, uh, what was her name? Was it Rosalind Summers? Was that her name, uh, Jim? Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, what's our friend there? Uh, 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 Tanya Harding, I guess, in the very young days, <laughs> skated there, among some others. And uh, obviously a place for uh, uh, hockey players, for skating students, which I was one just a few years ago, and uh, just people who enjoyed uh, recreational skating. And so... Um, that's going to be uh, torn down soon for a new development, and um, it's not like they're getting forced out, but they couldn't find a buyer to uh, to keep it an arena or keep it a an ice rink. So, uh, and it's one of those places, right, Jim? That's like, well, you know, it's just I wouldn't say it's falling apart. It's probably is wrong to say, but it you know it could use a renovation. I go and see all these little divots in the ice and and the locker rooms it's just this it's this old place but you played there right many times when you're youth hockey player i totally did i played there for two different associations over time uh, east side which was in bellevue uh I, I played there in the late 60s there i played in the 70s there and also at snow king because it was basically snow king's amateurs first rink before linwood um i I went to hockey camps there in the summer uh, for, you know, a week, two week slots where Seattle totems would do uh, clinics and we, you know, we'd have the upstairs room and they would do all kinds of uh, classroom stuff. Uh, you know, totems like uh, Don Ward and, and um, Holmes and all these guys that rolled to the WHL. It was pretty cool. I played senior men's beer league there uh, in the nineties heavily 
Um, and it's funny because there was a big gap there. Where I didn't go there, obviously, because there was other rinks that were being built. And I didn't play in the Seattle leagues as much anymore. But the, I, I get into conversations, particularly since this has come into the view with the, you know, the basically taking it down, um, that I'm running into, I ran into people last night that I know that I haven't seen in a long time that just started talking about it because they actually live kind of close to it within, you know, 20, 15 blocks. Yeah, up in, up in Shoreline, yeah. Yeah, and it's affecting them, even though they really weren't maybe skaters. It was just an iconic building to drive by. And, you know, it's funny. I was telling my wife just the other night about this, that when you drove by, it was kind of an ugly front. It was kind of dirty-looking, old panel glass, whatever. It was an ice rink, it was, for crying out loud. But I can picture that sign because it never changed in all those years. And then I know that back parking lot, like the back of my hand. I know the road leading up. I know all the Rambler houses around. Well, they're probably not there anymore because I haven't. There are a few are, but yeah, a few. Yeah, few but I know the Ramblers as you turn exactly what they look like. I know the, the back of the building. I know everything about it. And of course, in the early days, it wasn't a side by side. It was a single. They, and then they added the shorter one on the, on the what would that be? The north end, north oh, side. Okay. Yeah. But uh, things about that rink that I remember that stick out. Um, the smell of it was your typical rink, you know, almost yep. like there was a full-time ammonia leak. Still, uh, <laughs> yeah, still same, same smell more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I recall, it had pretty high boards, not as high as Burian's old rink, but it had some high boards. What made it difficult for a, you know, if let's say you were a peewee or a bantam even, you know, jump over those things. Um, and then my dad, you know, he used to come to a lot of the games back in the day. Even some of my early senior beer league stuff he used to show up to. Um, he actually did a stitch job on the bench on a buddy of mine's mouth once. My dad was not a doctor. Uh, he was a, 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 a great man, loved hockey, and did what he could to help out. And he actually stitched a guy's mouth on a bench. Nothing radical, but got him through. Um, I'll never forget that. Uh, so obviously, there's just a ton of memories there, you know. You know, my memories are relatively new. I went there for the first time. Ever. I mean, I drove by it a ton of times. It's right. It was right there on on Aurora, uh, little little north of the uh, shoreline, uh, the Seattle border. And uh, it bothered me. I think maybe a long time ago we touched on this, but I've never told the story much. You know, I went. You know, when you're a kid. You learn how to ride a bike, you learn how to swim, and especially if you're in some northern part of the United States, you learn how to skate. I never did. I tried it a handful of times, couldn't get the hang of it. My my neither of my parents really encouraged me. I, and also was playing more basketball in those days. So I just never took it up. And it really bugged me though later on in life. Like I, I can't skate. This is ridiculous. And I was going through a job transition at the time. It was kind of 2015 was, you know, for part of my life was kind of a hard year, but I had a little extra time on my hands and you like, what are those bucket list things I can do for myself? Oh, maybe I'll learn how to skate. And I'm thinking, oh man, what am I, what, how's this going to work? You know, am I going to like be learning how to skate with a bunch of six-year-olds or what's going to go on here? But they, they had adult classes and they're like, no, no, we have plenty of adults that do that. And I mean, I'm like, all right, I'll try it. And uh, this woman, Rebecca, who's still works there, she, I, I saw her the other day and I, I said hello and thanks for everything. I could tell she had kind of a forced smile. I'm sure yeah, she worked there for years and years, figure skating coach too. And, uh, you know, I could tell just from her face it was affecting her, um, among others. And um, it was it was like kind of somber there. I, I went, but anyway, I, I learned how to skate. This was back in 2015. And, uh, you know, I had three goals in mind. One, to learn how to skate. I don't skate great, but I can do it. Two, skate at Rockefeller Plaza in New York sometime when I'm there. Did that. And three, I'm still working on it, but Jim, as you know, I'm getting closer and closer to actually finally playing some hockey. So working on that. So that was usually my practice place. Also, it was cheap. It was only like $8 to skate. I think it's like double at it at Iceplex and not to knock Iceplex, but, you know, pretty inexpensive to go up there. And, uh, and the people there just run it just so nice. It was just this family little atmosphere. Some of those people uh, left their job. Uh, it was this guy, Matt, and a few other people. And Rick, I had met, I bought my ice skates uh, at, at the arena. I got some cool graph skates and a guy, Rick, uh, sharpened them for me. And, you know, and uh, he told a lot of cool hockey stories. And speaking of hockey stories, so I went there. I just had to go a little pilgrimage, go there one last time. And it was a little something. It was pretty, it was kind of crowded. Uh, and um, you know, people of all ages were sort of just skating around. And this one guy came up to me, you know, I'm wearing this, you know, one of my Kraken hats and 
And he's like, oh, you, 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 you skate here a long time. You, you go, go way back. And I'm like, no, actually, you know, I just, I just, you know, six, seven years ago started to. And he said, you know how many years me? 54 years ago. So he, he, who knows? He may have played hockey with this guy, Jim. I didn't catch his name, but we had a very nice chat. And he was there with his son who seemed like late teenager, early adult. And just saying how he learned how to skate. He played hockey, all this sort of thing. And we just had like a nice little exchange about it. And he's like, Hey, have a good skate. Hey, you too. And, you know, we were there for an hour, you know, almost an hour and a half. And then I, you know, walked out and, uh, I actually, uh, and I got a little tear in my eye a little bit when I went back to the, uh, to my car, uh, cause it was such a transition in my life. Uh, and then also teach an old dog, new tricks. I I've, I'm glad I've inspired people of like, yes, you can be, you know, 50 something, 40 something, whatever, 60 something, whatever you age you are and learn a new skill. And, um, so anyway, uh, it's just one of those things, Seattle changes, we're seeing changes all over the place, buildings going away, whatever. It's kind of the cycle of the world, but, uh, that one pulled my, at my heartstrings. And I, I know it probably does to you a little bit too, Jim. So, uh, and, uh, you know, and the other guys, I know you hadn't seen it, but it's kind of old time hockey there, you know, and uh, you, you would have got, gotten a kick out of it. So anyway, I wanted to say cheers and rest in peace, Highland Ice Arena. I wanted us to mention a little of that. My last quote to that building would be, it's probably the only building in North America that the ice doesn't self-level, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Oh, you mean like the little... Di- oh, yeah, I mean, you know, water levels, right? But not there. <laughs> That's that funny you should joke. say that. True, guys. So, yeah, the, so they, they, like you could stand on one part and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, skating's easy. Look at me, just hide, you know, because it wasn't level, it, especially on that small, tiny rink. I'd be, it'd be like this weird little divot or something, just ever so slightly, but you're on skates, it's slippery, you can kind of tell. And then also where the zip <laughs> would, would go off, you know, go on and off the ice. And obviously it's putting water down. So they're always like leaving these droplets. And I didn't notice this at Iceplex or other arenas I've been at. Maybe I didn't look too closely, but they're always like these bumps all over the place from where the Zamboni parks. And I'm, you know, I'm learning to skate. And I'm like, oh crap, I'm going to fall on this shit. I don't know. It was, you know, but you know, it was, a, it was, a, it's, it was a good place. It doesn't matter. That's me being nitpicky, you know, it's, uh, but <laughs> I had to delight what you just said. Cause I'm, I, I noticed that too. I was like, gee, are all rigs like this? No. Anyway, God bless it. Good stuff. Anything else, Jim, Nathan? We hit everything? No, we got to talk about something. Yeah, say one more yeah, thing. Yeah, go for it. We got to talk about Shane Wright. Well, you touched on it a little bit. He got, what did he get? Like six minutes the other night? Yeah, yeah. yeah we got to see him. What, what's, he needs to play, doesn't he? He sure does. And I want Mike on this ramble too. Um, <laughs> Mike, come on back. We, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't jettison from the pod here. So, look, two games, 6-14 in the first game, two scratches, and then a 6-50 in the fourth game. Now, everybody's out there with their speculation. I've got mine. We've all got ours. Uh, and we, we keep hearing the fluff from Haxel and the coaching staff in the boardroom or whatever that we have a plan and you know obviously we don't know what the plan is but that's their default answer well let's put that plan together what we think it is we know the 10 game rule return to junior or stay here ronnie said he's going to be with the kraken correct he did All right so i you know he's he's getting minimal minutes in these games to this point some scratches is that pattern going to carry out for 35 games to hit that 10 and is his ice time going to increase you know a little bit every time and then by that decision you know how's that going to work i I don't buy it i don't like it i think it's more damaging than good but as you know we've all talked about it mike's talked about it we we have that log jam center we have a log jam of wingers technically to build uh anything below the top six well that's fine it still can work in the third position role third line role this fourth line minutes at six i mean that's the least on the team the other fourth liners were pulling right around the nine 
somewhere in there. So it's, and that, you know, some of them are saying uh, that's because of special teams. There was a lot of PP, a lot of PK. He's not on those roles. So those minutes are down. Okay, fine. It can still happen. I, I, something's got to happen because the fan base blew up on the, the goaltending situation the other night and it kind of just morphed right into this. And so you've, it's almost like you've got a double controversy going on within, you know, a week. And fans are talking. You've, you've all read it. You've heard it. Um, I've been part of it. Uh, it's, it's, it was a topic at the rink last night, big t- at, the, at CPA last night. It's all about selling tickets. Remember that. So we're already in the second highest market in the country for an NHL franchise and a game to go to watch. Uh, there was an article in the paper the other day about that in the ticket situation. So this is a huge deal. You know, this is a, this is a big juncture right here with right. So we got to figure out what's going on. I say you got to play them no matter what. Uh, bump them up. You got to play them. You can't put them on the fourth line. There's no way. Not at six minutes. Not even at eight. He, the kid, look, you know, we know his past and how he got to where he is. Deemed by Hockey Canada. Uh, you know, is this exceptional status. And then this is the treat. This can be, this could go reverse if it doesn't get handled properly. I want to see him play. A lot of people want to see him play. Uh, and I don't want any fluff from what I'm hearing from the media about what the interviews are saying. Cause that's just fluff to me. Well, for me, yeah, you know, part of being a, a good effective coach is managing the messaging coming out of the locker room to the press corps, managing the expectations in the market, right? And kind of like you alluded to, we're we're getting this vague, um, you know, there's a plan, there's a plan, but why not just share what that plan is? There's no risk in sharing that plan. You can kind of temper the expectations a little bit, let the market, let the fans, let the media know, you know, what that plan is so that we're not expecting to see them for 15 minutes on the third line and in the home opener or, you know, et cetera. So I really don't think there's any risk in sharing some sort of, you know, roadmap or, you know, the first two weeks we're going to play him fourth line, minimal minutes. And then we're going to go from there, just some sort of milestone uh, to, to hang your hat on as a fan, (laughs) because the temperature right now is pretty hot, at least on Twitter. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm seeing a lot, like you said, kind of this double, there's two things going on at once with the goaltending and also now with Shane Wright. I just, again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, take the layup, just kind of, you know, all the mixed messaging coming from Ron uh, and now Hackstall words versus actions are big, especially in year two with a fan base that is really ready to buy in and uh, some things to be excited about. So just communicate it. That's, I just want some effective communication and a roadmap, uh, something to to hang our hat on and, and to expect. That's that's what I'm looking for. One thing that you you just said really sticks out for me was uh, the open communication. You know, if you go back to what Francis said, the fans are why this team is here. The people that pour their money, their time, and their love for the game and this city and this team, we want to know what's going on. This cryptic. You know, hey, we've got a plan, but we're not going to let you know what that plan is. Uh, We've got some things in mind, but we're not going to let you know what that is. We're just going to unleash it on you one day. If we could have some more transparency with ownership and Hackstall and what, what the plan really is, what we're going to do to iron out all these things with Shane and goaltending and many other aspects of the game and the team. I would really appreciate that. I think everybody listening would too. Just a nice, refreshing, you know, sigh of relief of, okay, we've got an idea of where we're going with this team. This whole organization's behind it. Let's see it in action. No more talk, more action. Yeah. Amen. I mean, you know, Shane, I mean, you get this new kid. He's, he's on a learning curve about being an NHL or obviously he's got incredible skill but he's got a ways to go and, you know, and I understand, you know, gradually getting him into things and stuff, but, you know, you, you just can't keep him on ice. 
you know, I mean, the figurative ice, not till he really isn't on on the ice, but, um, you know, you know, often with other players, and it probably doesn't make sense with Wright, but I mean, with a lot of players, okay, isn't, let's bring them down, you know, Jim, we'd hear, you know, Bruce Cassidy or, or Julian or any of the guys, well, you know, we, one of these guys is scratching, want to get him some play, so we send him down to Providence, or in this case, you know, sending him down to Coachella, you know, um, you know, with Shane, I guess he could go back to juniors or or what, but I mean, they they went up and said, oh, he's with the Kraken. We're not going to have him the Kraken just to sit on the bench the whole time. That's, you know, that's not good for his big picture, you know, skill building and everything, right? Correct. And that's why I think, you know, when I lay that scenario, maybe do they stretch it out over a 35 game situation to where he hits that 10 and then make the call, all that stuff. But like I said, exceptional status player, first rounder, you know, fourth pick should was first forever leading up. He's a two-way player. Let's not forget that. I pinned my tweet about him. You know, it, you've got him up in the box learning this system. In other words, if you were to go to, say, let's just say Anaheim or something, there's a bunch of young kids, young guns with offensive flow his creativity would probably flow hard and he might end up at a top six there. You don't know, but definitely three, you know, third line, but here it's part of that Haxel system, which trust me, it's unique throughout this league. Uh, it's different. Uh, and okay. If, if that's part of the plan that you're having to learn this system by sitting up there, you're basically being the video coach by yourself with your own eyes up there. Uh, and then you're working on the drills on practice of, of schemes that, that they want to work on, that's fine. But don't ruin this kid. You know, he's a natural centerman. He's a natural two-way centerman, which is rare these days. And this is another thing. People need to understand, he's not going to be a massive point machine. He's going to be that 50, 60, 65, whatever, but his two-way game is going to be off the chart. That's the projection, or that's what we're looking for. It's a different type of player. So if we're, if we're, if we're grooming him that way for that system, that's another thing we got to worry about. Is this system going to be around in two years or 18 months or whatever? So that's why I'm saying, let him play, let him flow because I guarantee you him sitting on the bench is not, you know, if he's getting six minutes a game, I've, I've played fourth line minutes before it's BS. You have no flow. You get no flow in the game. Um, you want flow, especially if you're a talented guy. So I don't know how they're going to do this, but it, I don't want it to be reverse negative on him straight up. That's, that's, you know, that's it. Yeah. And if, no I, doubt if I could point out go ahead, like one other, one other quick nuance here that I, I put a little note down before the show. Cause I, I just wanted to point this out. We heard over and over a year last year, um, not enough time for practice coming into the season, starting on the road, didn't have time for practice, didn't have time for practice. So this year, you know, um, home opener, morning skate optional, right? And then come out unprepared 12 seconds into the game, give up a goal. Last night, you know, after that performance uh, today, no practice, day off. So I just, I, I thought we needed practice and now we're not practicing. I don't get it. So it's just, again, it's kind of this mixed messaging. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be the hot take guy, but I just, need some consistent messaging, some clear plan. And I want to see some more minutes for Shane, Wright. That's where I'm at. And I also need to hear more from Ronnie straight up. I'm not hearing a whole lot actually. So yeah, good points, Mike. Great talk as always, fellas. Uh, Mike, again, thanks so much for joining us. Mike from Sasquatch NHL, Nathan and Jim. Great stuff as always. Thank you. Uh, just a, uh, a little teaser. We kind of teased it a little bit the last episode, but I can really tease it now uh, more officially. We uh, For our next episode, and uh, possibly also on our Patreon page, uh, which I'll get to in a sec, uh, tell you a little more about that. But uh, Piper Shaw, Root Sports' own and uh, you know, broadcaster for the Seattle Kraken, uh, was kind enough to uh, have a nice conversation with me and Jim recently. So we're going to have that featured on the next episode, along with... Uh, game analysis um and and we'll like i said we'll be uh 
hitting up a little bit more on our YouTube page and, and our Patreon page. Patreon, just a reminder, I didn't mention the last couple of uh, episodes. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for creators to get funding. Uh, putting on this podcast takes a lot of time and finances for things. So things like sponsorship and Patreon funding keeps us doing what we're doing. You can go to patreon.com slash fancast and make your way there. We have some great perks for all to get involved. Starting at five bucks a month, there are three different tiers that you can uh, give to. So if you want to donate and support more, there are more perks you get. And um, uh, perks including uh, maybe being on the program with us or uh, you know featuring your emails and questions and uh, hearing some raw audio of some of our interviews and also some giveaways. Uh, we did a little, little bit of giveaways last year and uh, we're aiming to do some more this year. So please check out our Patreon page again, patreon.com slash Fancast. Also, please remember to like us on our Facebook page, Fancast. We're also Fancast on Instagram. Our Twitter page is at CastKraken and our Kraken Fancast YouTube page, uh, which we aim to uh, keep saying this, but we, do, we are aiming to do a lot more on that this season. So that's coming up. So thanks again, uh, Mike Brandt, uh, Jim Cockrell, and Nathan Gunderson. And always big, big thanks to our producer, Jay Middleton. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more game discussion, news, and interviews. I'm Chris Porter. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, Go, Go Kraken!